0: listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com.
1: Give me a go, no go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We're go fly. Guidance. Guidance, go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Tell me. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go, flight. Launch Control, this is Houston. We are go for launch.
2: Tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you. Brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio
3: Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online
2: at LuckyMojo.com. So now... Without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield! Good
0: evening to you one and all, and welcome once again to the Now You Know show. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Well, welcome back, my friends. Welcome back, one and all. It is so good to have you here. And what, oh my, what a week we
2: have had. It's been (laughs) crazy.
0: So let me start out by thanking each and every one of you who has sent in such kind and lovely thoughts, kind wishes, letters, messages, telegrams, flowers. Thank you so much, everyone, who has shown such kindness and love uh, during a rather unexpected situation we had, which was that this last week, On Saturday, uh, starting on Friday evening and moving into Saturday, our uh, own Gabrielle Swain, who you probably see here in the chat room quite often and is a a regular guest of the show, otherwise known as my mom, uh, had uh, a medical incident, and she is fine now. But we've been in and out of hospitals and in and out of doctor's offices and up and down, and emergency rooms, and this, that, and other, and I am happy to say that I just rushed in tonight from the road um, from uh, being with her, and she is incredibly well, absolutely stunning health, healthier than I am, uh, according to her doctors as of today, and she sends her love, Add to each and every one of you lots of hugs and uh, all of that. She's not with us tonight in the chat room because she's off having a nice quiet dinner. Uh, But thank you so much for all of those of you who contacted me. I know many of you have seen the notice that has gone up that I have temporarily closed my practice until the new year. Babies, don't you sweat it and don't you fret it. You know I'm going to be back. I will be back at the new year. I'm just taking a little time off to take care of my family. And all things are already going oh so well. I will be back. and But I will be here pretty much each and every Thursday night to help school you so no one can fool you. Do not worry. The show must go on. Meanwhile, in the rest of the world, uh, well, Um, our new uh, president-elect, as he was, uh, basically uh, has proven himself to be... um, Oh, I'm not sure. Um, a, a little a little left of, oh, uh, uh, you know, Bozo the Clown or uh, Howdy Doody or Clarabelle or all the rest. And uh, mean uh, our new Cheeto Imperator has picked a comic cavalcade of figures to possibly uh, <laughs> to possibly chair. Uh, his cabinet, and I I can't even read you the list, man, because as far as I'm concerned, it seems like something that's going on in a dream. I keep pinching myself going, oh, man, come on. I'm asleep. I'm asleep. I'm asleep. Uh, But no, I'm not. I'm awake, and so are you, and it's going on. So, uh, merrily we roll along. We'll do our best. Also, we have had news this week um, that Uh, Herr Trump continues to say that he will indeed start a national registry uh, for Muslims in this country. Now, that may go by the wayside, as a lot of the other things he has said are going by the wayside. But right now, he's saying he's going to do it. Today, uh, or yesterday, a Trump spokesperson, one of the comic cavalcade, uh, they all climb out of this clown car, um, went on the air to talk about that a little bit on Fox News to talk about that and support it. And he used for his reasoning, and apparently we can only assume the Trump presidency's reasoning behind this, that there was a legal precedent for this. And the legal precedent for this was in fact the internment Japanese-American citizens during World War II. Now, there's a little problem with that. And the first problem with that is that uh, well, our courts have already ruled that that was an illegal and incorrect action and that we uh, totally uh, violated the rights of those citizens and reparations were paid. So I'm not sure that the gentleman in question understands what the word precedent means, um, and clearly that. However, I bring this up to tell you that I, I am now uh, basically starting a, a brand new campaign, and you know I love my little campaigns. And come on, kids, you know, listen, you know, uh, hey, if your dad has a barn and your mom has some sheets we can use as a curtains, we can put on a show. Uh, Come and join the fun, boys and girls. Uh, My new campaign is this. Should our new fearless leader be so bold as to attempt this, and should uh, the rest of the branches of our government, uh, particularly the judicial and legislative, be so cowardly as to allow him to do this, and should the courts of the lands and the state governors of all the states be so, oh, limp in their response, so fish-bellied as to allow this to continue, and it should happen. It is my intention to be first in line on the day that they require registration. Now, as you know, I am not a Muslim. I am not a follower of Islam. I am a Jew. And it is my intention, and my wife has said that it is her intention as well, to be first in line should this happen. And I, too, will stand with my fellow citizens, my brothers and sisters, and my cousins, by the way, because that's what they are. And I will be right there, in line, okay, in line, in line, to be registered along with them. And I I encourage you, come and join us. Come and join us. Pack a lunch. Pack a lunch, and we'll all meet up together uh, at the local uh, registration center for patriotic re-education and monitoring. Uh, There, underneath the giant statue of Trump, going, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. And we'll all get signed up. And baby... What a time it will be when a quarter or a third or a half of this here country all registers together, okay? And let me tell you how this is going to work. When one of us who is clearly not a Muslim goes in there and registers as a Muslim, and one guy, just one guy goes in there and registers uh, as a Muslim who is not a Muslim, that one guy, they'll say he's crazy. They'll say he's crazy. They'll say he's crazy. And they'll say, forget about it. And then if two guys, if two guys go in there and they both try to register together at the same time as Muslims, they'll say, they'll say they're will say they queer. They'll say they're queer. They'll say they're two homosexuals, two queerosexuals. And they'll say, forget about it. And if three, if three people go in together who are clearly not Muslims to register as Muslims, they'll be worried that something's going on. And if ten people go in together every day, every hour, on the hour to register to be Muslims who clearly are not Muslims, they'll say it's a movement. And that's what it will be, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it will be. It will be... The anti-Donald Trump, no-Muslim massacre movement, and I encourage you to join us. I'm dead serious. You may think I'm being funny because I sometimes put a little humor on the terrible, just so, you know, because a a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, okay? Uh, But I'm serious. They'll have a movement on their hands, so come and join us. Come and join us. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the show goes on, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a pontification. We're going to be talking about a very special thing, uh, an omen, an omen, ladies and gentlemen. We will be discussing an omen. And then a little later on in the show, we're going to be discussing uh, mint. And it all comes from a letter, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be reading that letter a little later on. Miss Loretta will not be with us with a recipe this week because we have that special omen that we're going to talk about, but she'll be back next week with her wonderful recipes. But instead, this week, our own Miss Loretta from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, will be in the newsroom bringing us the news. So let's go right on over there and see how she and the news are.
4: Good evening, you all. Today is Thursday, November 17th, the 322nd day of 2016. There are 34 days until winter begins and 44 days left in the year. The 18th and 19th will be auspicious days to dry fruits and vegetables, cut hair to slow growth, mow to slow growth, Dig post holes, pick apples and pears, quit smoking, perform demolition, oh my, wash wooden floors, paint, start a diet to lose weight, ask for a loan, entertain friends, host a party, and kill plant pests. So those are two very, very big days. The 18th to the 22nd will be a good time to grub out weeds, briars, and other plant pests. Today's highlight in history comes to us from November 17th, 1800, when Congress held its first session in the partially completed U.S. Capitol building. Also on this date, in 1558, Elizabeth I ascended to the English throne upon the death of of her half-sister, Queen Mary, beginning a 44-year reign. In 1869, the Suez Canal opened in Egypt. In 1889, the Union Pacific Railroad Company began direct daily railroad service between Chicago and Portland, Oregon, as well as Chicago and San Francisco. In 1934, Lyndon Baines Johnson married a to Taylor bird in San Antonio, Texas. In 1947, President Harry S. Truman, in an address to a special session of Congress, called for an emergency aid to Austria, Italy, and France. The aid was approved the following month. In 1968, NBC outraged football fans by cutting away from the closing minutes of a New York Jets-Oakland Raiders game to begin the TV special Heidi on the schedule. In 1973, President Richard Nixon told Associated Press Managing Editors in Orlando, Florida, quote, people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I am not a crook, in In 1979, Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini ordered the release of 13 black and or female American hostages held at the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. In 1987, a federal jury in Denver convicted two white supremacists of civil rights violation in the 1984 slaying of radio talk show host Alan Berg. Both men later died in prison. And in 1991, the first national TV commercial for condoms, which were Trojans, aired during an episode of the Fox situation comedy Herman's Head. We wish to send a very special LMC birthday greeting out to air member Lou Flores, whose birthday is today, so happy birthday, Lou. And finally, our thought for the day comes to us from Ben Hecht. American author and screenwriter, born 1893, died 1964, who said, Prejudice is a raft onto which the shipwrecked mind clamors and paddles to safety. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom with Miss Loretta reading. And we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers.
5: Lucky number. Oh,
6: dreaming of lucky number. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstitious.
5: Or even make me
6: suspicious.
5: Table with
6: 13 dishes. Issues will make may, me please. May you please. That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well,
5: open oh, Gracie. Put my trust in Goof or Dust. Cause you
6: know some days may bring
5: you a seven. or oh, maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that's easy eleven. Lucky number for me. Yeah!
6: Oh,
0: yes, and you need not just trust in Goof Dust, as advised by the Nicholas Brothers, because... We have got the lucky numbers for you here each and every week. As always, this week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterField.com. And I want to take a moment and tell you that these are particularly auspicious numbers. These numbers are hot, hot, hot. But they are going to start to cool By Tuesday, Tuesday leading into Wednesday, these numbers will start to cool. They will not be very good on Wednesday, and they will be dead cold on Thursday of next week. So if you are going to use these numbers, I advise you to get out and use these numbers tonight, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They will still be very hot. They'll be a little good into Monday, and then they'll start to cook off as it were. And here they are. They are 16, 18, 22, 25, 37, and 40. And I have to tell you that 22 and 40 are particularly hot right now. Those numbers, once again, are 16, 18, 22, 25, 37, and 40. This week's lucky 3-digit numbers are 161, that is 161. 253, that's 253, and 711, that is 711. And listen up because I'm only going to say it once. 711 is blessed. 7-Eleven is not only a hot number, it is an auspicious number. You would be wise to pay attention to seven eleven this week. The card of the week is the Six of Clubs, a long haul. Possible travel, work opportunities, and perseverance. Be prepared for this week to feel like it will never end, and for many hands to be needed ...to finish even simple tasks. Take care this week against being overworked, overcautious, or stingy. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, ha 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 remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, the Professor's Pontification... This week's topic is who, hoodoo, or I am, in fact,
6: Yahudi. <laughs>
3: Our grandma and the young. What's the fuss is all about? They're just trying to find out. Who's Yehudi? Who's Yehudi? Someone please lend me a hand. Solve this mystery if you can. If he's mice or if he's man, who's Yehudi? Who's Yehudi? Who's Yehudi? One dark night about half past three, I saw an owl up in a tree. He looked down and he yelled at me, who's your hoodie? G-Man Hoover's getting moody, got his men on double duty, trying to find out who's your hoodie. Who's your
6: hoodie?
3: Who's your hoodie? Who's your hoodie? The little man who wasn't there said he heard him on the air. No one seems to know from where, but
6: who's a- <laughs>
3: Someone please lend us a hand, solve this mystery if you can, if he's mice or if he's man, who's your hoodie, who's your hoodie, who's one dark night about half past three, saw an owl up in a tree, and he looked down and yelled at me,
6: who's your
3: hoodie, G-Man hoop is getting moody. Got his men on double duty, trying to find out who's your hoodie. Who's your hoodie? Who's your hoodie? Who's your hoodie? The little man who was there said he heard him on the air. So no one seems to know from where. Who's
6: your hoodie?
0: Oh yes, and that was of course Cab Calloway with "Who's Yehudi?" And our name it and claim it winner of the first piece of the brownie tonight is Troll Towelhead, our own chief engineer here. He gets whatever piece of the brownie of the pan of the pan of brownies that he wants. And before we move on, we're going to talk a little bit about that song. "Who's Yehudi?" originated when a violinist. His grace, the baron, Yehudi Menuhu, was a guest on a popular radio program, Bob Hope where a uh, Jerry Colonna, finding the name funny, repeatedly asked over and over, who's Yehudi? Uh, Jerry Colonna continued the gag on later shows, even though uh, the baron, his grace, was not a guest. And he turned Yehudi into a extremely popular bit of slang in the 1930s, uh, meaning a mysteriously absent person. In fact, in the early 1940s, the United States Navy chose the name Project Yehudi for its early precursor to stealth technology, and then later... The song and title with that, you know, Who's Yehudi was written in 1940 uh, by Bill Shecker and Matt Dennis and was covered by Kay Kaiser and, of course, much more famously by Cab Calloway, which we just heard. Now, both the catchphrase and the song eventually, uh, you know, as time goes on and society progresses and people get older and younger people come along, people forget why it means, what it meant and where it came from, and it took up its double meaning of meaning who is Jewish, because the word Yehudi means Jew in Hebrew. And so it came to mean who is Jewish. All right. So why did we play it? Why did we play it? Well, I'll tell you why, because we've got this letter right here. Can you hear it, folks? Oh, yes, this is fine bonded paper. No substitutes here at the LMC radio uh, network. We refuse to print anything on less than 50% cotton bond. Uh, Right now, Catherine Ironwood is giggling, and the rest of you are going, huh? This letter comes to us from Karen, and Karen is writing us, quote, from the Middle West. All right, so Karen in the Middle West says, Professor Porterfield, uh, wanted to write in, and thank you for the show. It is absolutely wonderful. I love listening to it. I uh, listen to it on my way to work uh, each and every week. And what a hoot you are and also teaching us at the same time. I have one question for you for your pontification and one request. My question for the pontification is as follows. I recently was told that hoodoo was a closed system. And that those who were not African Americans could not practice, learn, teach, or participate in hoodoo. However, I know that you yourself, sir, are Jewish and are white. And so I was wondering what you had to say about this. Is it true? What's your take? What do you believe? Or, If you have no personal belief, what are the facts that you can share with us? Secondly, I will request. I was wondering if you could tell us more about mint during the In the Kitchen segment, as it is one of my favorite plants and grows in abundance around my house, your friend Karen. Thank you so much for your letter, Karen. And Karen, this show is... For you, who, 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 who is Yehudi? Who is Yehudi? Because we're going to discuss your question in the pontification, and later, in the kitchen, we're going to go back and talk a little bit about mint. So let's go on with the pontification, first and foremost. I, with tongue firmly planted in cheek, played Who's Yehudi? Because you're quite right, I am... A white male Jew involved in hoodoo. Now, I must tell you that I prefer to say that I have conditional white privilege. And let me explain what I mean by that. I have white privilege and I enjoy all the benefits of white privilege every day of my life until people find out that I am a Jew. And the minute they find out I am a Jew, privilege goes bye-bye right out the window. And I've talked on the show before about how here in the South, there is an old, you know, chestnut that floats around amongst people where they say, well, Jews are, quote, another kind of black. So, Let me give you my most recent example of this. While my mother was in the hospital in North Richland Hills, Texas, I stepped outside and was across the street from the hospital. You know, sometimes you got to go outside and get some air and get out of that place and clear your head. So I had walked all the way across the street um, from the hospital. And I was standing in the little grassy area there. They didn't have a sidewalk. And a pickup truck came along and went to pass me. And as it did, it slowed. And I went, uh-oh, here comes trouble. And sure enough, here trouble was indeed. The driver of the pickup truck leaned out, elbow out of the, uh, elbow out of the uh, open window and leaned his head out the window towards me and he said and I hope you will excuse my language but I want you to know exactly what he said he said and I quote look out nigger the clan is getting bigger a very old very foul and not at all funny little rhyme that has been used in this part of the world for quite a many, two goddamn many decades. And so of course being the individual that I am, I immediately began to stalk towards him in his now stopped pickup truck Lint halfway out his window and being the sort of brave, strong cavalier type of man that leans out of pickup windows to scream obscenities at people, he floored the pickup and, drove and screeched away as fast as he could. What's the point of that? The point of that is that for the racist, for the hater, for the prejudiced, for the bigot, the lines blur. You see what I'm saying? He saw me with my very Jewish beard and my very Jewish or if you would prefer it in Yiddish, Yamaka, on my head, and he said that word, the N-word in his mind, and decided to share it with me. All right, fine, whatever. He's a terrible person. <laughs> you know, oh well. Good luck to all those who come into contact with him. Maybe someone will throw salt and pepper at him until he moves out of the state. Why do I tell you this? I tell you this to immediately address this issue. Is hoodoo a closed system? Well, if hoodoo was a closed system, then it itself could not have taken in from sources except within its closed system, meaning that it would be a purer form of something. If hoodoo was available only to African Americans, then it probably would have uh, have primarily African roots. It would seem a lot more to us like an ATR. In fact, it probably would be an ATR. It would probably have religious overtones that came from Africa. It would probably have the use of uh, African instrumentality and African language and African thought more purely within it. However, hoodoo is a melange. Hoodoo is a beautiful bit of admixture, and quintessentially American, and the best part of America. America can be a terrible, horrible place many days, but here's an example of how it's really, really good, and I'll give you a few others. Um, Jazz, chop suey, and comic books, all very American ideas, all reaching their beautiful apex within America, and they are melanges. Think of it, if you will, like gumbo. Gumbo clearly has strong African roots. Gumbo has strong French components. Gumbo has strong Native American components. Cannot exist as gumbo anywhere but in America, and in that particular region of America where it arose, so too do we have Hoodoo. Hoodoo has its base, its rue, if you will, African practice, African folk
6: belief,
0: technique involved within the practice of its magic, tying, binding, the use of sharp things, pointed things. Nails, pins, needles, the use of sweeteners, uh, external sweeteners, uh, honeys, sugars, the use of souring agents, outside souring agents. And let me say this again, even though I just said it, tying, binding, tying things together, binding things down, tying things to, and many other components that we see arise, begin take their life and first breath in Africa and primarily more in Western Africa and in and around the Congo and Congonese concepts. However, then it has added to its pot a great deal of African, excuse me, of Native American herbology and some Native American uh, folk magic beliefs that relate To the land itself, meaning this land right here that we're all living on, okay, Um, as well as some Native American concepts involving what is, quote, clean and what is unclean, and how one produces cleanliness, and some Native American concepts relating to directions, um, meaning cardinal directions, and some. Native American attitudes towards celestial events. Then added to that pot is a couple of heaping uh, cups of European folk magic and a great deal of European folk magic, particularly in European folk magic relating to quote unquote witchcraft. Uh, as a broad term here, I'm certainly not discussing what is now called witchcraft within the neo-pagan movement or the um, reconstructionist pagan movements um, or even the pagan movements uh, within America at this point in time I'm talking about you know that old you know Irish Welsh Scottish British French uh, German concepts of who the witch is and what the witch does and how you defeat the witch as well as a, some concepts about the dead, some concepts about spectral forces, a great degree of spell work, how we do this particular spell. Again, some attitudes about time, about a clock, about the moon, about the, you know, this and that, and about spiritual animals, uh, uh, devil dogs, anyone? 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 Hellhounds? Um, Then there's a smattering, a nice brief, you know, a little pinch of some Mediterranean uh, and Italian um, Greek folk magic that goes in there. And then there's a good couple of three, four nice big heaping teaspoons of Jewish folk magic, which has to do with... The use of the psalms, which has to do with some of the fire magic, which has to do with some of the lucky numbers, which has to do with a lot of other things. In fact, if you were to go and do your hoodoo research, you would find that I am completely within my element giving out lucky numbers. And although lucky numbers have been calculated and given out before by all sorts of people in hoodoo, from every walk of life, from every race, of every gender, uh, you will also find that there is a great tradition within hoodoo of male hoodoo-inclined and hoodoo-associated individuals producing and calculating lucky numbers who happen to be Jewish, and also many of whom happen to call themselves professor. So I'm right in my element, right there. And then Finally, there's a couple of spoonfuls of Chinese folk magic and then just a lovely, a lovely, a lovely sprinkling, a lovely sprinkling of some Hindu beliefs as well. There's a number of reasons for this. First of all, hoodoo is, as I said, an American experience, a melange experience. Second of all, hoodoo is adaptive Um, and third of all, hoodoo is pragmatic. Hoodoo is extremely pragmatic. You see, within hoodoo, you will find within its history uh, this attitude stated again and again and again. If that works, then it must be true, and if it works for you, it will work for me. If I am an African-American gentleman working helping build a railroad to California and on that railroad that I'm building to California along with me, my two buddies on either side of me, as we sling those sledgehammers and gandy dance and move those rails. If one is Chinese, a celestial, a celestial from the Orient. And my other buddy is from South of the border, a Mexican Catholic. And we're talking because we're working and we're singing and we work all day and we rest all night in the construction camp for the train company and we share our stories, we share our lives, we talk about our wives, our girlfriends, what we're going to do with the money we make off of working on this railroad, etc. Along the line, our magic and our spirituality comes up. And I find out from my Chinese buddy that this particular talisman or this particular thing is a really good thing, and I find out that four is a terrible number. Oh, four is just deathly unlucky. And I take that into my head, and I go, well, if it's true for him, then it can be true for me. If that works as good luck for him, then it works as good luck for me. And if that's bad, four's bad luck for him, maybe maybe I should avoid uh, fours. And when my Hispanic friend from Mexico, who's a Catholic, tells me, "Oh, well, you know, when you're in real trouble, you do this with you uh, do this with Saint Jude as an example, and you do this, and you leave these penny, and you do this, and you leave this offering, and then Saint Jude helps you because it's a hopeless case. Or you, you know, you need it done really quick, you go to Saint Expedite, and then you give Saint Expedite this candle and the you know this kind of cake, and he likes that, and he helps you, but you got to tell other people about him, and that." That goes into my head, you see. And I hear it. You see what I'm saying? And I take it in. And it becomes true. Not in any way because the individual is simple or foolish or quote-unquote primitive or childlike because it's real. You see? If it's true for you, then why is it not true for me? And if it works for you, why won't it work for me? It's another fact of life. This is just as if you said, oh, you know, if you do this, your boots won't wear out as fast. It's just as true. It's just as normal. It's just as a part of life. And then I go, oh, wow, well, that's what my buddy does. So his, you know, his boots don't wear out. So I do that, and sure enough, my boots don't wear out as fast. So then I tell my friends, one of them tells their kid, somebody else tells their grandkids, uncle, aunt, cousins. Pretty soon, nobody remembers that I got it from this guy who I just met one day, you know, while we were resting, when we were doing long-haul trucking, carrying lettuce out of California before the ice reefer boxes were put onto trains. Who remembers that. All they know is that oh, you do this thing you do this thing for uh, you do this thing for your boots. In fact, people may even forget that it's to keep the boots from wearing out, and it's simply lucky. It's lucky, they might say, or it's quote good for your boots. This is how an oral tradition works, and hoodoo has been, was, and even continues to this day to primarily be an oral tradition. All right, so. Now we have hoodoo, we have it coming from all sorts of different points, and we have it arising here in America. Good. Excellent. The question here is, is it closed? When you ask a question like that, you're asking for a broad statement. You're asking for a truism. You're asking for something that is true everywhere, all the time, every time like gravity, or a law of physics. And there are very few things that are like that, that isn't, in fact, a law of physics. You know, that's the way that it will behave. These chemicals will always combine to make... One cannot say that hoodoo is closed or open, because then... One would be speaking on behalf of an entire tradition that covers this country from sea to shining sea that has no orthodox leadership. It doesn't even have any reform leadership, to tell you the truth. It doesn't have any unorthodox leadership. There is no Hoodoo Pope. There aren't even, you know, decent Hoodoo rabbis. There is no, there is no Hoodoo uh, a college. There is no Hoodoo, you know, uh, university that is the only university. And if you hadn't gone to Hoodoo you, then you just don't know Hoodoo. You know, there's no Harvard Law for Hoodoo. Harvard Hoodoo. Harvard, Harvard Hoodoo. There's none. And there is a vast difference in the regionalism of hoodoo. Now, the roots remain the same. No pun intended. The roots remain the same. Tying, binding, sharp things, sweet things, sour things, this, that, and the other, all right, remain the same. From Florida to Tennessee, from Tennessee to California, from Texas to Baltimore. But in each of those areas there are regional differences. They are not necessarily contradictory differences. It's not necessarily that in Florida, the full moon's good and it draws and you want to do positive work during the full moon. And in Arkansas, the full moon's evil. No, 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 no. It's, there are subtle, subtle, let me give you a example. In Tennessee, particularly in Tennessee River Basin, you find in Hoodoo a, Of use with rattlesnakes. There's a lot of rattlesnake in the hoodoo of Tennessee, particularly in that central area of Tennessee. All right, rattlesnake powder, rattlesnake fang, the skin, what a rattlesnake means, its omenistic, you know, meaning, uh, what you do with a rattlesnake, etc., etc. How you send a rattlesnake against someone else, how you tame a rattlesnake, 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 rattlesnake. Why? Well, obviously, there are rattlesnakes there, but I got news for you, buddy. There are rattlesnakes in Texas, and it's not as much used in hoodoo. The reason is because the Native American tribes in that area of Tennessee venerated the rattlesnake. There was a veneration of the rattlesnake, and the rattlesnake was a very, very important part of their religious belief and their magical practices. So, of course, it got passed along to their now new African neighbors who are being kidnapped from Africa, brought in chains, and, you know, thrown into the United States of America. So there you go, rattlesnakes. But there are no rattlesnakes. And there are no sounding snakes in Africa. The only equivalent in heptology of the rattlesnake in Africa is the viper, particularly the pit viper. And they're extremely different sorts of snakes. They look different. They have different behaviors. So here we see it, right here. How else does this come into hoodoo except in America and except from an outside non-African source? Here it is. So there is vast regional difference in hoodoo, and that's another reason that no one individual or no one body of individuals can speak for all hoodoo, all the time, all the where. It just don't happen. You can't do it. Therefore, the end complex answer to your seemingly simple but actually complex question is this. Is hoodoo a closed system? No, hoodoo is not a closed system for the group. Yes, hoodoo may be a closed system for the individual. It is every individual's right to say, I will not teach this individual, those individuals, these individuals. This belongs to me. This belongs to... Me and mine, this is my culture, these are my beliefs, my people's beliefs, my people's religions, my people's spiritualities, my people's magic, and it is not necessarily for others. And I believe that me and mine should come first in the learning and practicing of this as it is a part of our culture and a part of our tradition and a part of our people. Now, inevitably, when you say that, somebody in the back jumps up and says, well, that makes
4: them racist then!
0: No, it does not. Racism has to do with systemic oppression, and you need power to execute racism. Well, they have
2: power! They're not going to teach me! They're hoodies! They're racist.
0: No, they are attempting to preserve their tradition. In fact... They are part of an oppressed group of people who have been minimalized constantly, who has been an attempt, as the same attempt was done to Native Americans, as the same attempt was done to Jewish Americans and many others, to force assimilate them, to have them assimilate into the dominant white Christian culture don't speak your language don't have your features don't have your name in the case of jews surgically alter your face marry into our group don't do your do, do your magics don't do practice your beliefs assimilate 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 and assimilation is a slow form of death the worst you could possibly say of someone saying that is that they were biased Or perhaps even prejudiced. But they have the right to say that. So too does somebody from the Appalachians, who is a thousand percent white, whiter than me, with my Mayan and Pima blood, have the right to say, this is Appalachian witchcraft and we don't teach y'all our witching ways. You valley folk, you city scum, This here is is a mountain. This here, you ain't ready for what we got up here. It's our ways. So, too, they are also a somewhat marginalized group, certainly not nearly as marginalized as African-Americans or Hispanics or Jews, etc., but they, or even Muslims, they certainly are somewhat marginalized. They do live in extreme poverty, and they have a right to preserve their culture, their teachings, and their beliefs. You see? So, No, hoodoo cannot be a closed system for all. Hoodoo can be a closed system for some. And it is, in my opinion, at least proper to respect that individual, to not push them to say, certainly that's your choice, and you may enjoy your choice and do with it as you please. That's your right, particularly here in America. And then I will add to this this. In terms of the progression, the practice, the art, the breath, the jump, the movement, the spirit, the pinache, the verve of hoodoo, that itself is African-American. And it is primarily of the African-American culture, and therefore it primarily belongs to that culture, and you, if you are not a part of that culture – Are a guest to one degree or another, and it behooves you to have the good manners and graces and niceties and common courtesies of a guest. And sometimes that courtesy includes accepting when certain people say they will not teach you and they do not care to co participate with you. They're not saying they want you dead. They're not stopping you for not turning on your left blinker and pulling you over to the side of the road and shooting you while you're trying to dig your insurance out of the glove box. They are simply saying they don't care to do that with you. Inevitably, someone in the back goes, that means they don't want to mix. They're no better than the KKK. All right, buddy. Now you've gone a little far. When you have the unmitigated balls to say that individuals living in America, in the situation that we have in America to this very day, not wanting to co-mix or share their cultural beliefs and cultural practices with you makes them the equals of the longest-lasting domestic terrorist group of murderers, rapists, killers, destroyers of family and property, the bane of African Americans, the bane of Jewish Americans, the bane of Catholic Americans for a very long time. And that makes them equal to the KKK, You have gone too goddamn far. You have gone too goddamn far, okay? You are out of damn line, out of line, 100%. And this is a popular thing to do. We are far too easy to do this in our culture. I see it every day. Black Lives Matter is just like the KKK. Asshole. These Jews, why Jews, are just as bad as the Nazis. Asshole. The list goes on and on and on and on. And you've really got to listen to yourself. For God's sakes, listen to yourself. Now, Karen, I'm not accusing you of that at all. I'm speaking to a much, you know, you ask the question, I'm speaking to you and to all the voices and all the ears and all the eyes that hear and see and co-participate in this wonderful broadcast we call the Now You Know Show. So to sum it up for you, I will say again, hoodoo is not a closed system generally, but it can be a closed system specifically. And that's fine. You just go and move on. But in the end, you should show decency, common courtesy, and respect for your hosts and you should have a responsibility to them particularly when you're taking spiritual and magical practices from them that help enrich you protect you, bring you love, bring you sex bring you luck and just better your life better the lives of your family members better the lives of your clients and you also receive if particularly if you're an open practitioner particularly if you're a goddamn professional practitioner where you receive money in your hand that goes into your bank, I would hope the minimum you could do is show common courtesy, decency, and respect to your hosts. That would be my hope, and actually I would hope you would do a hell of a lot more. I would hope that you would stand in open sympathy, harmony, and absolute, absolute, resolute, absolute, resolute solidarity with them and their struggles. And that you would deeply honor them, the generations before them, and the generations to come. And so there you go, Karen. There's your answer tonight. And that's a little bit of it. A little bit of uh, who do, who do.
1: Now and I wonder what's the matter with time. Oh, it seems like everything' changed. I seem like this woman that I've been loving, I've, I've found some other man. I hold up my hand. I'm just trying to get my baby to understand. See, my baby don't love me no more. Or because somebody of hoodoo, the hoodoo man. Why not? I'm going down to Louisiana. And buy me another mojo hand Or because I've got to break up my baby From loving this a man and I hold up my hand
6: yeah. I'm just
1: trying to make my baby understand oh, my baby don't love me no more She says somebody of who do the hoodoo man Well alright Women make plenty of money and everything But my woman don't love me no more She says somebody who do the hoodoo man I just hold up my hand I'm just trying to get my baby to understand and My baby don't love me no more She says somebody of hoodoo, the hoodoo man Goodbye, baby Someday I'll see you soon I've got something to tell you, baby Somebody else can have your room And I'll hold up my hand I'm just trying to get my baby to understand Yeah, my baby don't love me no more She says, somebody of hoodoo The hoodoo man
0: Yes, that was, of course, John Lee, Sonny Boy Williamson with Who Do, Who Do from 1946. And uh, no name it and claim it. You know, it's an excellent little song. If you listen to it, it tells you a lot. You know, I think he was doing just the same thing that we here at the LMC Radio Network are doing each and every day of the week. You know, just trying to send out a signal.
3: What's that signal? why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network broadcasting around the globe, bringing news. Information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the
2: Vanguard. The LMC
0: Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooduru, Power with Catherine Ironwood and Conjuman Ali, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Tendela's Corner with Candelo Cambisa and Michael Carell, Mondays, 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays, 6 to 7. Good and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays, 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays, 6 to 7.30. To which the Priestess and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays, 5 to 7. All-time specific at three hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towelhead, Chief Engineer of the LMC Radio Network, for that update of our shows each and every week. And I have been it's been pointed out that I made an error. You're absolutely correct. I did not see it. Uh sometimes, you know, it's easy to lose these little lines on the on the screen. We did have a partial name it and claim it. Miss Catherine Ironwood did correctly name. The singer, Sunny Boy Williamson, number one, the real one, not Alec, Alex Rice, Sunny Boy Williamson, number two, and she gets one half of a brownie. So congratulations and apologies for the mistake. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, won't you take a few moments to perk your ears and give your attention to your friend and mine, Miss Loretta.
4: Hello, friends. This is Miss Loretta of the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, here to talk to you a little bit about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632. Did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? It's true, they carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Of course, friends, I'm talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Won't you come on down and visit us there? It's such a lovely setting, and we have so many beautiful things for you to see. You can come and enjoy the award-winning and fabulous train set. Your children will adore it. So will your grandchildren and the bigger children in of us. As you watch the parade of beautiful and colorful trains as they go through their tiny towns, mountains, mines, and other locations in an endless circle of delight. And after you've enjoyed that, you can step inside the world's smallest church. That's the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, located right there on the grounds, friends. And take a few moments of quiet prayer and meditation before you go on inside. The beautiful Lucky Mojo Curio Company And browse through the aisles Seeing thousands of items From all over the world That you can purchase At the touch of a finger But my friends If you can't get to 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California Why not visit us online At LuckyMojo.com Come on over to LuckyMojo.com And enjoy the quiet comfort and privacy of your own home as you go through page after page of our beautiful catalog, seeing all of our fabulous and wonderful products that you can order online and have sent directly to your home for your convenience and ease. Once again, friends, that's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Tell them Miss Loretta sent you. Bye-bye. Wow.
0: Wow. That's – uh, I, I think Count Goulash has been coaching her. I, I really do. I think Count Goulash has has been coaching her. And thank you so much for that, Miss Loretta. That was lovely. That was just lovely. Up next, we're going to interrupt our normal Hoodoo cooking session for a unique and interesting thing. Something that has not—well, it's happened before, but we've never brought it into the radio show. We're going to—we're uh, going to interrupt it for a, a little bit of a—a a little bit of a little dream from me. <sighs>
5: Stars shining bright above you night breezes seem to whisper i love you birds singing in the sycamore tree dream a little dream
6: of me day night
5: and night and
2: Still craving your kiss
5: How you crave my
6: kiss
2: Now I'm longing to linger till dawn, dear Just say this Give
5: me a little kiss Sweet dreams Till sunbeams find you Sweet dreams that leave all worries behind you in your dreams, whatever they be, dream a little dream of me. Buzz, 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 buzz. Fading, but I linger on dear,
2: still craving your kiss.
5: Yeah,
2: I'm longing to good till dawn. Just
5: saying this, the sweet dreams, dreaming till you. Keep dreaming,
6: gotta keep dreaming.
0: Got a hot contest in the chat room. So let's break it down. First of all. uh, Two thirds of a brownie to troll Talhead. That was indeed Dream a Little Dream of Me, and indeed Louis Armstrong, the great Satchmo. Now the next debate has been who was it? That third of a brownie. Was it Ella Fitzgerald? Was it Lena Horn? Was it, who was it? Who could it have been? I know it sounded like Ella Fitzgerald, but if you had listened closely, you would have noticed two clues. You would have noticed a smoky undertone to her voice on the low notes, and if you were familiar with her, you would have noticed that it was her primary horn section, her horn player, playing that trumpet in the background that he plays so well with her on so many different songs it was in fact billy holiday billy holiday and louis armstrong i know she sounds very much like ella in that she's still very young in that and there you go a rather rare cut billy holiday and louis armstrong with dream a little dream of me and that leads us into our unusual, strange. We've never done one on the show. We may never do one again. This is a first and may, in fact, be a last. So get your pencils and your paper, perk up your ears, get ready. An unusual story. Ready? Several nights ago, I had a very startling, very intense dream, that the contents of the dream were delivered in such a way to me that I awoke immediately from the dream, carrying the message of the dream, having been awoken from the dream by an individual within the dream who told me to wake up now. And I consider this dream to be a true message because it was not something within the normal context of my mind. It was, in fact, something I never thought of. It was something that I was guilty of and had never even stopped to consider it. And in the dream, I was told that I had been told what I was told so that I could pass it along to younger folks. So... I'm not one to lick a gift horse in the mouth. Um, I'm also not one to drag a giant wooden horse inside my city either, but I felt the need this week, particularly with all the events that are going on in our world right now, to share this dream with you. In this dream, I was dressed uh, in a very nice suit. I had I had my overcoat. I had my walking stick with me. And I was standing next to Beverly Smith, our wonderful host of In the Streets, here on the LMC Radio Network. She's going to have a particularly hot show coming up this coming Tuesday. Don't don't miss it. You will want to hear it. And she was wearing a very beautiful sari that had gold edging on the edge of the cloth, and she had gold dust in her hair, which for me personally is an image that I have used before in my own mind. A woman who has gold dust in her hair is a woman of power, a woman of, of merit and worth. And it comes to me as part of my life from uh, Bertolt Brecht's uh, Three Penny Opera, Pirate Jenny in which there is a line in which uh, pirate Jenny Jenny says how she comes out looking beautiful with gold in her hair. And so to me, this has always represented someone who has a station of knowledge, of worth, a woman of power. And the two of us, an African-American woman and a Jewish man, were talking to a group of slightly three or four, Five slightly younger people People in their 20s or 30s And these people in their 20s or 30s Were relating to us a, a, a troubling incident A troubling incident That had come on them That had happened on them And in this incident An individual had confronted An African American woman And said certain very nasty racist things to her And a Jewish man And said certain nasty anti-Semitic things to the man. And Beverly said to these young people, quote, well, you have to understand, he did that to her. He said those things that you're trying to figure out. Why would he say those things? Why would he say those things? He said those things to her because she's black. And I said, and you have to understand, he said those things and you're like, well, what did that mean when he said that? It sounded nasty, but what did it mean? Why did he say that to that man? because he was Jewish. And I had a strange impression that somehow we were actually talking about ourselves. And at that moment, a very elderly man with a cane wearing a slouch gray felt hat that no longer had its shape and a very nice brown suit jacket and blue jeans uh, and big uh, perhaps the size too big, very wide and flappy at the opening uh, uh, taupe, canvas boots, kind of came up to us, and he said, excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt you young people, meaning Beverly and I. We were the young people. And he said, but I have to tell you that what you just said is wrong. That's wrong, what you just said. And Beverly and I immediately stiffened, getting ready for this. Who is this guy? Is he going to turn out to be some racist son of a bitch? Are we going to be lecture? What is this? And he held up a finger and he said, that man did not say that to her because she was black and he was Jewish. Well, now I'm feeling like I'm getting ready to fight. Like, wait a minute, what's this? But I held my tongue. And he said, he said that to them because he is a racist and an anti-Semite. And I was floored. I was absolutely shocked. He said, you must not say what you said. You must not say that these things happen to people because they are black, because they are Jewish, because they are gay, because they are Muslim, because they are Hispanic, Latino, Or Chicano. And I was somewhat impressed that he mentioned Chicanos because most of the people I know do not. And I've had many good close friends who were Chicano. He said, You must not say this because when you say this, you have placed the error on that person. He said, The onus of the act is on the person who did the act. They do it because they're racists, because they're homophobic, because they're anti-Semites, because they're islamophobic, because they hate. And then he said, and I was a little stunned at this, trying to take this in. He said, "You wouldn't say, "Oh, she got right because she was wearing that red dress, would you?" You wouldn't say, oh, she got raped because she went to that party, would you? And we were like, of course not, of course not. He said, of course you wouldn't, because you understand that the rapist is the one who commits rape. So you must understand that it is the racist who commits racism. It is the anti-Semite. It is the homophobic who commits homophobia. It is the Islamophobic who commits Islamophobia. It is the hater who commits hatred. He said, in many circumstances in life, these things are like a bell curve. At one end it's terrible, in the middle it's not so bad, and at the other end it's terrible. Or at one end it's not so bad, in the middle it's terrible, and at the other end it's not so bad. He said, except in this. In this it's a straight line. And he held his finger up high amongst our group. He said, in this it's a straight line, and every end of that line in the middle of that line is terrible. He said, at this end of the line, and he held up his left hand, we have our friends who are gay, lesbian, bi, and trans. And when we say this happened to them because they're gay, lesbian, bi, and transsexual, we're saying you need to go into the closet. You need to hide. You need to stop showing your affection, your love, and who you are and pretend to be someone else. You must be closeted. Closeted is death. And he said, then next to them we have our friends who are Jewish. And when we say to them this, what we are saying, oh, that happened to you because you're a Jew. What we're saying to them is, you haven't assimilated well enough. You need to change your name, surgically alter your face, straighten your hair chemically, perhaps even lighten your skin chemically, marry out of the Jewish people. Stop going to your synagogues. Stop using your language. Stop using your calendar, because you haven't assimilated enough. You must assimilate. And assimilation is death. And then he lifted up his right hand, and he said, And at the furthest other end, we're saying to our black friends, Your existence is wretched. You are a creature of wretchedness. This happened to you because you're black. And to be black is to be wretched. Your nose is wrong. Your mouth is wrong. Your hair is wrong. Your skin, the vessel you travel through this life is wrong. And you can never assimilate and you can never hide. So you best hurry up and die. And that is death. And he said, so we must stop saying this. And we must go back to saying That person did it because they are the racist, the anti-Semite, the homophobic, the Islamophobic, the hater, the bigot, the prejudiced, the fool, the ignorant. And not place the onus on ourself, but hand it back so that we stop doing the work of our enemy for them. And I was just shaking in the dream, hearing this. And then he looked at me and he said, you can wake up now. And I sat up awake in my bed. (laughs) So I wrote it down, actually tried to call Beverly Smith at 2 a.m. in the morning. She wasn't up, told her the next day. And then I decided, having watched the orange Mussolini with his clown car cavalcade, Of a cabinet and all the rest and all the horrible things that are happening, the burning down of a Pakistani uh, restaurant here in Corpus Christi, Texas, the day after the election, the attacks on private property, the attacks on students walking to school, the attacks on students in colleges, the attacks on – uh, African-American people in stores getting gas on the street, the attacks on synagogues, the attacks on mosques, the growing hatred, and that resonating tune in my mind, look out, the Klan is getting bigger, I said, I'm going to share this dream on the Now You Know show, even if everyone thinks, go oh, dear, he slipped over the range. So take of it what you will. I offer it to you freely. Take of it what you will. Take it with you. Put it in your basket. Put it in your pouch. Put it in your wallet. Put it in your purse. Take it away. Maybe take it out a little bit later and consider it and know that I thought you needed to know it. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen where we're going to be talking about Mint, which of course you could use for a mint julep. you go ladies and gentlemen that was the first part of one mint julep catherine ironwood gets half a brownie one mint julep by none other than king curtis king curtis with one mint julep the part one part one and um We are now going to go to our uh, in-the-kitchen section. And we've had a request from uh, Tadal, who wants to know if later on we might have a uh, uh, in-the-kitchen section on how to start uh, the – how do you start your hoodoo kitchen, as it were? Uh, Basically, you know, the staples necessary. And we may indeed do that, Tadal. But tonight – Karen has asked us to talk again about mint. Mint, which includes spearmint and peppermint, helps to break jinxes, purifies people, and, of course, protects money. So last we talked about mint, and we had talked about mint before on the show. We talked about some of its primary uses where mint was the primary ingredient. The, the, you know This is the big ingredient as opposed to a, a ingredient along with others. So tonight we're going to talk about mint with some other things. We're going to talk about, first of all, mint mixed with uh, nettle. Nettle is a very strong jinx breaker, and as we have just said, mint helps break jinxes. So if you were to mix mint with nettle and at least one jinx-breaking material, like witches' salt, graveyard dust, or uncrossing powder, you could then use it to sprinkle it around your home to cut off curses put on you by witches. So if you had a situation where someone had done witchcraft against you, you could mix mint with nettle, and then witches' salt, graveyard dust, or uncrossing powder, and sprinkle it, use it as a sprinkle, around your home to cut off any curse that had been put on you. So that's one use of mint in as a, let us say, a secondary partner. Eh? Let's put it that way, a secondary partner. You can also use mint along with Solomon's seal for an unjinxing bath. Here we're talking about it again in its role as unjinxing. To do this, you would blend Solomon's seal with mint and balm of Gilead buds For a cleansing bath used when unexpected evil or harm has befallen a person to put a stop to the evil and to encourage a fresh start. So as an example, let's say you had been with someone, you had been in a relationship with them, and suddenly they went nuts and they did all this evil, terrible stuff to you and you needed to get rid of that, stop the evil that they had done and start a new life without them, you might do this. Or if someone had unexpectedly done something to you at a distance to put work on you that had done some terrible evil to you and you needed it gone and needed to start anew and fresh, then you could blend Solomon's seal with mint and balm of Gilead buds for a cleansing bath to get rid of that evil or harm that's been put on and stop the evil and get a good, clean, fresh start. So here's mint again. Again, sort of as a um, a sort of a, a secondary secondary sort of thing, we've also heard, though, that mints good for money. Well, what if you wanted uh, to uh, make a good money protection combination? What if you wanted to put some things together that were good for money? Well, you could fold a dollar bill. Take a dollar bill and fold that dollar bill around thyme leaves, then fold it again to make a packet, tie it up, and add – oh, I'm sorry, around thyme, and then add to it mint. And then tie it up with its mint, the mint and the thyme, and bury it in the middle of a crossroads at the full moon. Or you could mix thyme, mint, and bayberry together together. Time, mint and bayberry together to make a very good money protection combination that you could use as a sprinkle you could use it in a bath you could use it on a candle you could use it in a mojo that would be time, mint and bayberry so there's another example here it's protecting money money and then oh and also i will say uh If perhaps your money matter was involving the sporting life or betting, uh, which, of course, would fall into the sporting life anyway, uh, you might want to use a $2 bill. And then also you could use mint in combination with vetiver. Um, This is used. We've heard that it's good for protecting people, easing things, purity, good, good positive things coming to you. It can be used as a part of a virgin's bath. If a young woman is about to have sex for the first time, she can bathe in mint tea. She bathes in mint tea, rubs her body with vetiver oil, and drinks a cup of sage tea warmed with a dash of whiskey. Let me go over that with you again. She bathes in mint tea, then she rubs her body with vetiver oil. And then she drinks a cup of sage tea warmed with just a dash of whiskey. And this will see to it that her first sexual experience is a good sexual experience, a positive sexual experience, a satisfying sexual experience, physically, sexually, emotionally. So you wanted to know a little more about mint. And so there is indeed a little more About mint Our information Every week From the very fine book Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic A Materia Magica of African American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood and we thank Her for its use In the show each And every week Once again Folks throughout this Period of time for the next Oh, many, many, many weeks. We're doing pontifications from letters just like yours. That's right, just like yours. You tonight heard that Karen from the Midwest sent us a letter and why she had a letter and request and why the whole show got dedicated to her practically except for the dream that came to me that I wanted to share to you. If you have a topic, if you have a subject, not an instructional subject. This isn't a, well, how
4: do I thread a needle?
0: No, 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 no. But a, what is the place of needles and sharp things? What is this about? Whatever. How does this fit in? What does it, that you would love to hear discussed in the pontification on the Now You Know show? And we'll read your name out as well. Or if you don't want to, we won't read your name out. It's by your request. Just write it up and send it to Prof Porterfield. That's P R. O-F-P-O-R-T-E-R-F-I-E-L-D at gmail.com porterfield at gmail.com and you too can have a topic read during the pontification the professor's pontification come one, come all if you want to be anonymous we'll keep you anonymous if you want to be public we'll keep you public I want to take a few moments to remind you of something that we started last week here on this show. Last week on this show, and you know each and every week on this show, we give, during the news, auspicious days to do certain things, and then we talk about a two- to five-day period coming up and what's going to be good gardening in that two- to five-day period. As we heard from Miss Loretta this week, it's time to grub out weeds and briars and thorns and other plant pests at, uh, tomorrow and the day after tomorrow, uh, in fact, all the way to the 22nd, I believe. And last week on the show, we talked about some of the things that are going on politically and how many of us are feeling lost and combated and isolated and surrounded And I started a thing. I said, let us go out and start victory gardens. Start a victory garden. Start a victory garden to grow some of those supplies you need for your hoodoo that you're going to do things to try to help us in these dire times. It doesn't have to be a big lot in your backyard. It could be a few uh, clay pots on your front or back porch. It could be a window box. It doesn't have to be anything huge. It could be in an old Coke box you know, that you have next to your stoop. Uh, See if you can grow some food for you and your family if you do have slightly more land, if you have a backyard or a little lot that you have access to. Grow some food for your family. Get with your neighbors. See if your neighbors and you can start a community garden to create food for you and your neighbors and your community. If you end up with too much because many new gardeners do not know how well something grows, and as an example, they plant Zucchini, which can be very hardy, and they end up with 400 pounds of zucchini. Take that extra and donate it to food banks. Give it to the poor. Give it to the hungry. Let us step on the foot of the people who plan to separate and oppress us, who plan by their policies to back us up against the wall with hunger, a lack of medical care, a lack of appropriate education, who want to dumb us down, let us start taking steps to move together. Little small steps. You know, there's always some wag in the back of the room who says, well, you protest, you bunch of wine, red protest, you ought to kill them all, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't think anyone can get too hot under the collar about a little victory garden. Eh? What about a victory garden? Our coming victory. Is we shall have a victory, my friends. I assure you, it may be a long, hard struggle up that hill, but we're going to get there, baby. We're going to get back up in the sunlight, and we're going to go there together. So why not start a victory garden, an anti-Trump massacre victory garden with your community, with your friends, with your family. Feed yourself, feed your friends, feed your neighbors, feed the poor. And even if you just grow a few spices to put into your salad or into your spaghetti sauce or into your soup. You know, it's going to taste so much better. And I tell you this, sometimes when we are so at ends, when we don't know which way is up, putting your hands into the earth, digging down in there, getting that dirt on your fingers, calms you down, reminds you that this old earth endures. So I encourage you, start a victory garden as well as remember If the Muslim registry comes along, me and mine are going to be out front with our sandwiches and uh, folding chairs. Come and join us, and we'll start that little movement as well. If we stand up together, if we say no together, if we say we will not allow as a group, not as individuals... Because the individual can always be crushed. But as a group, you might be surprised what we can get done in this here country of ours. So, I say to you tonight, and I want to remind you, that some of you are feeling very scared. Some of you are feeling very down. Some of you are feeling very frightened. I have to tell you, I'm right there with you, pal. I'm right there with you. But uh, I'm just not ready to give up yet. Oh, no, no. This is not the end.
3: Ah, this
0: is not the end. Uh,
3: It is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, But it is perhaps the end of the beginning.
2: And go to Texas Cattle and double back to Fulbright. I'm on down to Dallas, Trincomb, Kitty. i through into the territory in Kansas City, and Kansas City, St. Louis, and St. Louis, Chicago.